Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men, written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Welcome to the Ask Men podcast, where you get real advice straight from the source. I'm Kristen Carney, one of your hosts, a comedian and human being here, of course, with Marnie Kinrush. She is a best-selling author of and Get a Inside Her. Today. She's a little sick, um, but it sounds good. It sounds sexy. Um, we have Thanks. our voice of man, uh, Jay Chris Newberg, very funny comedian. Um, you can listen to his podcast called Like Super Famous. Um, also, he's working on the show Idiot Tests that will be uh, in its second season. Did you Third. say Third season. Um, and then check him out in Vegas if we have any listeners in Vegas or you're going to Vegas. Um, he'll be at the Tropicana uh, the week before Halloween. Um, and then we also have a Frenchman for the first time yes. in the studio. So we're, we're really going to. the world for trying to. Really going to bring up the romance factor yeah. for the first time, I think, in like 130 episodes. Um, <laughs> we have uh, Simon from The Rendezvous, yes. uh, which is on iHeartMedia. Yes. On 30 stations. 30 stations every night, Monday to Friday. Yeah. Yes. So awesome. So thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. And then we have a packed show because then later in the show we have um, as well a third guest. Um, we have, but she's going to be on the phone, so don't worry, we'll be right. too full in here. <laughs> um, Megan Fleming, who is a sex sexpert, sex it says diplomat. I hate that word, but sex advice. Sex, I don't know what that means. Sexpert sounds like you're sweating or something. I don't know why. Does, doesn't sexpert. that sound kind of yeah, gross? A little bit. You're like sexperting. Only a woman <laughs> could be called sexpert, right? I think if if any dudes would be called that, you know, we, we think we perv. Yeah, but yeah. A woman can oh, get away right. with you're it. a sexpert. You're doing this for research. Interesting. Sex squirt. Sex squirt. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. today on the show, um, well, actually, let's let's first introduce the two of you a little bit more because I I want to find out what your backgrounds are when it comes to women. Did do you always have an easy time with women? Hard time with women? Uh, I think Jay Chris is a little bit of a flirt because he's always called me Kristen Pretty. Kristen Pretty. Mm-hmm. But that's my last that's and middle name. Yeah, that's both. Uh, but do you call all the girls like first name then pretty? Nope, just you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Frenchman, you got some competition here. <laughs> I don't know this competition. I'm going to learn from Chris. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening carefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I. I guess I don't think I've ever really had difficulty with it. But I mean, learning women in Los Angeles is an entirely different thing. They're a different animal altogether. In what way? They're just different. But I mean, in not like as, a bad way. No, just completely different. I mean, like it's insane. There's, well, there's kind of like, I mean, like I don't want to do bit, but like you know, or stick or anything, but like no, do it because it, com- it comes from somewhere, obviously. Yeah, I mean, like I've, I've, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those things where. Okay, I'll just say this. When I went, when I want to go somewhere in Los Angeles, I'll ask five separate girls to the event because I am positive four are going to cancel. Right. And there's never <laughs> been a conflict once. There's never been a time <laughs> yeah. where four of them didn't back out. And it's yeah. never like 
five is perfect. Yeah. And I, I have no guilt. I have to say that's true for friendship here too. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. People are very flaky. They have a lot of things going on or they think they have a lot more things going on than they actually have and going on. Yeah. Or they yeah. want you to think they do. Yeah. They're everything... just canceling to make it themselves look cool. Yeah. They have to feel very important and you're okay with that. I'm, I'm fine with it. It's no big deal. If someone cancels, they cancel. How do you handle it when somebody cancels on you? Like what do you say back to them? I don't take it personally at all. It's never personally. It's always about, I mean, it's like if we have plans and you cancel, it's not about me. I mean, if it is about me, then that's awesome that I have that effect on you. Right. But oh, like it's that. usually not ever the case. It's somebody's got something. They're tired. They're sick. They're hungry. They've got to shoot the next day. They don't want to be bloated. They don't want to go out late. Whatever. It's nothing to do with me. <laughs> and then so what is your response to them? So if they were to text you and just say, oh, I'm so sorry. My stomach hurts. I can't go to that really important thing you had. Great. Feel better. Yeah. And then do you contact them again or do you wait for them to follow up with you? I might, I might not. It's usually, I can't go is usually by I'm never talking to you again. You know, I always say, um, they say that you need to choose between love and career. Los Angeles is proof that you can have neither. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Right. Yep. So you say au revoir, right? Yep. Au revoir et merci. Au revoir et merci, exactly. Yep. Have a nice life. Maybe I'll bump into I'll hit you, you over the head with a baguette. Interesting. <laughs> and tell me how, how LA women are competing not, not how they compare to the rest of the world, as you kind of just said that, but like, what is the rest of the world like that you've been to or that you've interacted with when it comes to women? I've had I've had uh, moderate success uh, in comedy, so in certain areas that are not Los Angeles. Well, in Los Angeles, everybody's kind of famous for something, right? Or kind of not at all famous and sort of whatever. They've all everyone has credits. When you're working Iowa or Michigan or you know Nevada or something. Right. A lot more women tend to hurl themselves at you with the sort of get out of here mentality and come to California or whatever. And here it's not really the case. So here yeah. it's just, a, as I said, a different animal. Interesting. All right. And what about you, Simon? I want to hear. It's funny what Chris said because I, I would take it way more personally if I was if I was in his shoes. And maybe I, if here's what I believe, that it's all a matter of, uh, of who has a ticket. Right. Whether you're in L.A. or New York, Paris, it's all the same. The woman really likes you no matter what she's coming to the date. Right. She doesn't. I take it personally. It's about me. I don't believe anymore. The, or the, it's excuses to get away from it. So, And that has happened to me 100,000 times. Right. So, you know, we have something and then the girl cancels on me. I know it's about me. If she really likes me, she's not canceling. Right. So that's one. So that's the difference mm-hmm. between how I handle this. I would, I would, take, I would take it that way More emotionally well. than Chris. I would right, take but, it that way as well. Yeah, but, but listen it, to the two different ways that you take in that information. He's more laid back than I am. But but he ends up moving forward in a positive way and probably creates connections with more people and has more attraction happening. Whereas I, you take it personally. I, I do take it bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. But I have to accept it, you know, because it happens all the time. I ask a woman on a date. And then she says yes, and then at the end she cancel. Well, and you know, the only reason she cancels, she's not that into me. That's the only reason. Right, but that's not about you. She's just not. She's just. Not, she's. I cannot speak. Say. She's just not that into you. But it's not about you personally. I, but but definitely about me because if it was maybe Brad Pitt or DiCaprio, they would go on a date. So so whoever you oh, are, I know, I wherever, <laughs> wherever you are, you, you gotta go accept that more than a date. Yeah. <laughs> so I go me, all in. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your experience with women other than getting also, liked on and canceled on. Yeah. <laughs> well, so coming from France, you know, I've been, you know, I, I arrived and lived in Ohio, in Cleveland, Ohio, from the age of 28 to uh, 40 years old in Cleveland. France to Cleveland. So that, was, that was a big shock. Talk about a downgrade. Yeah, yeah it was. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, I lived that life very playboyish in Paris for all these years. And then I had a job in Cleveland and had to move to, to Cleveland, Ohio. Right. It was a huge culture shock. 
But here's the beauty of it, is that the people in the Midwest are extremely friendly and extremely welcoming. And so even though I was you know, lost at first, I really found myself to be very welcome, invited everywhere, 4th of July, hanging out, every party you invited. They were, they were bragging. They were like, hey, look at my French friend. Yeah. Well, you're an exotic. You're an exo- to show you off. You're an exotic tree yeah. in, in Akron, Ohio or Cleveland, Ohio. You were as close as they could get to having a black friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I think of the comparison, too. Yeah. So I, I really I, I've you know, found wonderful experience. The thing is, American women have different rules to date than French women. I'll give you an example. You know, in France, the exclusivity, the talk... Starts with the first French kiss. All right, there is no talk. It's first time you French kiss somebody, the relationship has started. Oh. Here, right here, you can date multiple people, French kiss multiple people, even sleep with multiple people, and not have the talk. Yeah. So for me, I'm a, I'm a bit of a passionate man and jealous. So I did not understand how I would date somebody one day, and two days later, she would be kissing some other dude. Right. So you have it's, to adapt. It's an adjustment. Exactly. So you can take the the plus of this is you have the right to suddenly flirt with everybody on earth. Yeah. At the same time, I think the expectation in France was, you know, exclusive right away. If it doesn't work, we stop. Here, it lasts a long time before you stop the relationship. Right. And then there is the dating rules. You know, what you're supposed to say and go where and do that. So I've learned all that. And uh, American women has given me a, a chance with an accent. I think without the accent, I lose... Oh, gives you your foot in the door, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I want to hear more about women in Paris. So, so you're saying that you... Because you had said you had uh, said goodbye to your Playboy life. Mm-hmm. So what does a Playboy life look like over so, in Paris? It's, a, it's just a serial monogamist. Yeah, but here's the, the truth. Because I used to work in advertising and this life in Saint-Tropez in Cannes, Paris, you would date models. So I've dated Karen Moldo, many others. Yeah, and they're all showing their boobs in advertising over there. So yeah, and a good so life. at the agency, we would see them and, and a very free spirit and all the supermodels. And it was an extraordinary 10 years of my life between Milan and Paris. But it was crazy. At one point, either you lose it completely or you go back on earth. And I landed in Ohio. <laughs> right. I, I think it. So that life, you know, it was no relationship. It was, it was 25, 35. And then I discover, you know, American women. And, and it was a different culture shock, too. And what do you like better or worse? Uh, they're both wonderful. It's, it's just different. I mean, I think American women have a plan when they start dating you. And I think French women have an expectation that is more on the moment. Because there is less money in France, more money here. Uh, French women will require you to be smart because not many people have money in France anyway. Right. So, you know, we take the metro, the subway, and the bus. We don't take cars, the car. So it's really based on, you know, Chris, you, I'm sure, you know, and if, if you have sense of humor, you would do very well in France because they love to laugh. She moved to France. I'm going. Well, it sounds <laughs> like you're doing well over here, too. I can't <laughs> Or complain. you said mediocre. Is that what you said? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm, I haven't shot myself in the head yet. So right. I'm, on, I'm, on the, I'm, on the, I'm on the board. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. Well, tell me more about um, dating between 25 and 35. I think that's what you said, where you were dating models. Yeah, so what happened is, any of you has been to Paris, by the way? Yes, Mm -hmm. love it. Have you been out in Paris? Yes. Okay. So there is those places like the Bain Douche, the Palaces, all those places we would go every night until 6 in the morning. Now, you know, everybody knows that tequila is the liquor of love. So if you stay late enough... Is that tequila? Yes, tequila. I didn't know that, but I drink tequila. That's the liquor of... That's the liquor of uh, puking for me, so... (laughs) But, right. But, you know, there's... After a certain time, some people, you know, they get very 
groovy, I would say. Yeah. So anyway, so that was that was a lifestyle where, but we were all young. We would go out and dance and make out, and and a lot of the girls came from the states, modeling and all this. And right. so you know, it was it was a, it was a wonderful time. Uh, I think they were surprised by the way we acted, and I think we were surprised the way they acted. For instance, I thought the American girls dr- was dr- were drinking way more alcohol than we did. Right. It was like free alcohol at sixteen <laughs> or seventeen. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't care. Yeah. At the same time, so it was this nonchalance. Yeah, you guys been to Paris? Mm-hmm. That, it's magic. Here's if you compare the romance, okay? And it's interesting because here in LA or Paris or Akron, Ohio. To, to go on a date, it's harder to be, I think, in a romantic way here, geographically, than Paris. So you have to find yourself romantic ways. Did you find here women are more uncomfortable with romance than they are in France? They totally are. Yeah. Because I mean, because they're pragmatic. Most American women want romance, don't know it, and they are pragmatic. Chris, what do you say? If a guy tries to be romantic with me, it's like, yeah. I literally get Why? the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, here's chivalry is stalking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it really uh, is. I don't know if it's me... Uh, or my personality type, I do comedy and I'm I'm a little bit more sterile of a human unless I'm with like a dog, then I'm like very lovey-dovey. Give us an example, Kristen. So tell us what a guy's I dated a guy in college from France. Um, uh-huh. He was, he made me Coco Vin. Coco Vin, mm-hmm. right? Chicken with wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like being very romantic and it was really nice, but it turned me off. Like it, what? Give us, uh, give us a- Because he made you food? No, the food, I, I would like the food. I was like, let's just food. keep eating. Uh, the food's delicious. Yeah. So what was goofy? Just uh, the touching, the constant like looking into eyes, and uh, <laughs> it was it, the intensity. It, that's what it sounds. It, like. Yeah, it was a little much. Like I wanted to just joke around. Like I like to joke and kind of make comments and like you know be be goofier. And he was very intense and serious. And I thought he was very cute. And we ended up like making out and stuff like that. But yeah, so it worked. I was like, yeah, but you know, that's I was like. Right, well, Simon, but how, then I pieced out your, after that. Then I was is, like, "Ooh, you know, I can't do your, that again." Your uh, romantic gest—how have your romantic gestures been altered since you moved to the United States? I'm not sure they have been altered. Do you still? I think I'm the same. Yeah, because, yeah, because you know you can't pretend or you cannot act, and 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 I cannot even dance. So I really all I have is myself. Right. So my approach is the same. I've been here. Um, and and just be myself, you know. Ask like it was a discussion on my show the other day about how do you approach women. I said when I see because I approach women, I said, "Ah, oh, you're very beautiful. What is your name?" Plain and simple. And my co-host Kim Iverson said, "If somebody would do that, I would freak out and say, you know, what's wrong with you?" And I said, she, and she said, "But the French accent gets away with it. Yeah, it does help you for so sure. In a in an aisle of a supermarket, you know, because really, if you don't know somebody, I don't have any cheese line and and I don't have crystalline to make somebody laugh. So what's left for me? My accent <laughs> and say. I really like you. What is your name? Yeah. So I Does that work that in France since there's no accent for you? Well, yeah, because there is, you know, what we call uh, cat whistling or whatever that expression is when you, uh, you know. You, you do that in France and that works? All the time. But the French women love that. They start working with their hips differently. Really? Right, wow. they, I do it too over here. Well, I told you before I like when homeless men whistle at me. I need attention, obviously. Well, that's because we're in our 30s. <laughs> right, but like exactly. when, you know, you're not desperate. It's so, not saying nice. you're desperate. It's still but. nice. Uh, Guys, somehow. I don't, I don't do that in the street, right? Let's, let's right. make sure. I, right. But, but I'm surprised that women, because generally women don't like that here. That's because they feel it's an object. They make an object out of them, right? Yeah, and not a human being. But the right. French women uh, love the attention, some, and also the Italian women when they say "bella ragazza" and all mm-hmm. that, because it's a, it's an, it's a compliment to how good looking and well built you are. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And if they don't do that, well, then well, I the think women, women question, why not? I think women here are so much more obsessed with the feminist thing of not being objectified and being on the same level that, that they want to be attractive, but yet they also don't want to be told they're attractive in a way. They want to be told they're attractive, but in a way Look that's... at me, don't look at me. Why exactly. are you not looking at me? Right, like, right, exactly. What do you use as approaches? Yeah, I was gonna say. As like a dude without an accent? Um... I just, you know, I, I approach it honestly. I mean, like, I'm same thing. I don't ever say someone to someone, "You are beautiful." Wouldn't work for me, you know, because that's not honest. It's because that's not you. That's not me. I but mean, if the girl is beautiful, if the girl's beautiful, I mean, I'll figure out a way to tell her. But that's not my opening line, especially here when everyone is pretty much beautiful. Yeah. Um, I my approach to women is different. It's like I'll just I'll straight up friend zone them first, because I'm a pretty intense person. And I kind of sound like a Muppet. So when I approach you at a bar and I'm like, I don't really blink very well because I'm watching your mouth because I can't hear very well because I used to be a musician. So if I show up to you who I've never met before and I'm staring at you intensely. Yeah. And then I throw and in a talking monotone. Yeah. And I can't help it. This is how I'm drawn. Yeah. And like then all of a sudden I throw in a you're beautiful. You're like, oh, my God, who else is in his trunk? Right. You know, and right. I, so instead, once people get my rhythm, it's much easier for me to have success with it it's just a slower process because here like you said and you can't send a girl flowers or otherwise she thinks you're nuts you can't pick her up on a date for a first date that's unheard of she has to have her car you can't even uber her because then you'll know where she lives you know she has to have an escape route yeah it has to be something that's not too datey like literally i asked this girl out recently and she said no you can't pick me up and i'm like all right and she's like, I'll meet you there. She's like, it can't feel like a date. And I'm like, all right. Well, it already doesn't, you know. And then she gave me a list of like seven rules, all of which she <laughs> meant nothing of. What? They were all just some big scared wall of like how many guys have probably been weird to her. So wow, this is patient. Wow. Do you think she's that, extreme? I think. Do you think that um, men in the United States are weirder and more intense than men? In France, or it's on a different level, but in terms of like I don't creeping. think it's there is in America a war of sex that I have not witnessed. And to yeah. Christian point, the feminism from the 60s, 70s, maybe you moms, have changed the way men and women approach each other. All the sexual harassment suit, also the stalking, all the yeah. psychos on both sex and both sides have changed the way we approach. We have to be careful. We have to have exit route. Just said Chris. I mean, what happened to the to this country so that men and women are so afraid of each other? Because I'm not like that. I'm not afraid of women. I hope they're not afraid of me. We're not afraid to hug, to kiss. Everything is different. When I was in, when I was in France, when I, I was, was in France, pants. <laughs> when I was in France, I was really young. I was like eighteen. Okay. Um, and this this could be it could have been a total fluke. I haven't been there since. Tell me if this is normal. If I'm interpreting it wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I was on. I'm going to say it like a total hick. Champs Elysees. Well said. Champs Elysees. Champs Elysees. Thank you. And I was walking with a friend, and one guy grabbed my arm and pulled me backward, and another guy grabbed her arm and pulled her backward mm. away from each other. And it was really aggressive and it was scary. And I ripped my arm out from him and I like kind of ran away. And she did the same thing, and we both ran like to each other. So I don't know if they were going to abduct us. I don't know if they were trying to be sexual and like hit I mean, on us. Too, I have no idea what was happening. Well, that's two delinquents he, who was bad intention. It's, okay. it's, it's yeah, that's plain like and simple. Yeah, pocket or something, not something no. trying to... Okay, so I wasn't thugs. sure if that was like sexual or if that was like thugs. Okay. No, no, no. That's. I'm sorry it happened to you. It's thuggish and inappropriate, but that could happen anywhere in any right. city. Right, okay. Second thing that happened. 
loved loved Paris, but two <laughs> really bad things happened. So that right. was one thing, and I was like, and I really had no idea how to interpret it. Uh, second thing, um, uh, we were having dinner, and it was a group of girls. I was over there with this dance 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 company I was with. Okay. So there was a group of girls. We spoke no French, mm-hmm. um, and we were being silly, and we were sitting outside, and I was really shy at the time with boys. Sure. And and so. The girls were kind of picking on me, and the waiter. I I did not think the waiter was cute. I didn't have. I wasn't flirting with him, but the girls were picking on me. And they were saying she thinks you're cute. She thinks you're cute, and I was like, no, I I don't. <laughs> leave me alone. I'm not doing it. I don't think you're cute, and I think he interpreted that in a way that I was flirting with him, and I asked where the bathroom was, <gasps> and I and and I'm not exaggerating. I. It was downstairs. It was like a t- small little bistro. It was in the restaurant downstairs. Of course, it was in the restaurant. He's like, oh, on the street corner. Go pee. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was in the restaurant downstairs, down these kind of like windy stairs. And uh, he, pu- he, he was like, I'll show you or something like that. So he like basically pulled me again, like kind of grabbed my arm. I was like, here we go again. What is going on? <laughs> and he pulled me into a bathroom stall. And my friend luckily saw him kind of pulling me and she came in behind me and like pushed him and pulled me out of the bathroom stall. And so I was like, I don't know what is going on. Yes, that's... But I guess I meant to be raped or raped, something. Raped like, in France. Right. Exactly. This is my destiny. You're really fun to tug. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and we were like, get away. And then we, we had like, because we were on this with the stamp dance company. And so the like our like quote-unquote chaperones or the women that were our teachers were down the street at another restaurant we like ran to them and we were like oh you know Kristen was almost like sexually assaulted or something you know but I wasn't and then we didn't report it or anything like that it was just weird we paid and left but interpret that for me is that this meant did he interpret that as I was flirting with him and it was time to do it or it's it's another thug it's 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 something that I'm very sorry it happened it's not that's not normal there's a big difference between I would say the French natural way of, of maybe flirting and do like this than anything that involve from a violence right. or threat of any kind right. this is not I mean you know I have a very strong feminist mother who believes in the equality and all this, but still, all that happened to you is, is unacceptable and has nothing to do with the French culture okay. whatsoever. Right. Yeah. C- can I hear some examples of ways that the French are romantic in terms of... <laughs> well, so it's interesting. Uh, Usually we grab the forearm. Yeah. No, I mean, here's, you know, all what Chris described as the rules of don't are the do's in Paris. You pick up a woman on the first date with your car at her house. Yeah. You you after the date you send a, a, a maybe a text or something said at the best time and a picture of the date or something and she will answer and then if you really like the girl if you want to impress her you know a couple of roses or one rose delivered the next day will go to her heart you write something with your handwriting note still works so it's it's hard to get either she likes you or she doesn't but once the girl likes you she does she's not afraid of you while here to Chris point which I agree hundred percent there is this fear factor between men and women where it's uncomfortable for both for a long time. Yeah. And that's because I don't know what happened between the two where everybody's afraid of each other. Really. People get hurt a lot. That's that's where all the fear yeah. comes from. We, we had a guest on our show recently, Francois, um, who was talking about a bad breakup that she had just gone through and then 
um, about the boundaries that she now has in place and enlisting like how hard a guy has to work to have her trust him. Absolutely. And it, I, I couldn't believe the hoops that she so, was so making men jump through. You're a woman. Yes. What are your rules? <laughs> well, it's debatable. No. <laughs> My what I, rules? To gain the trust from you, a man has to like do. Well, I'm married. Um, uh, for a man to gain trust, you know, I, I, I am equally just as uh, as wary of men. You are I've also been burned in the past by other men, by by men in business and men on a on a sexual level. Really? Um, yeah. So I, I I'm from Canada. Um, so I had to adjust myself when I came over here. I had to tone my flirting down, and I had to put my walls up when I moved wow. over. But I also was, you know, I was 23 when I moved here, so I don't know if that happened to go along with my age. But there, there's a very different world in the United States. People drink for sport over here. I know. They're much more guarded. They're more aggressive. They're. But you know what's crazy? I went to a tailgate game when I arrived in Cleveland with <laughs> the Browns. Yeah. And I have never been to any tailgate in my life. And I thought I arrived in the wildest world ever. I know. It was 9 a.m. in January. <laughs> but still, you got hundreds of people. I, like you're wild and savage. You're drinking any barbecue out of your car, like, and yeah. it's like, zero degrees yeah. out. No yeah. shirt. No. So yeah. it was extreme. And and talk about the flirting going on. I mean, by eleven in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I won't be graphic, but I was like, "But qu'est-ce qui se passe? What is going on?" Yeah. So but maybe we ask you then. What are the the rules for guys to gain your trust, Christine? I mean, what are your uh, I mean, don't. this is kind of this is like a bullshitty thing to say um, for, you know, because guys will go, well, what does that even mean? But it's like a thing, a sense, a sixth sense. Intuition. Intuition. Yeah. Intuition. yeah like a I, gut I would say sense. being consistent and being um, responsive and reliable, but not needy. So does that yeah, make I, sense what I'm saying? So when I met my husband, I, I was blown away by him. He opened a car door for me. I'd never had that done before. Um, he, te- see, and he, he followed up with a text. But he th- does this answered con- the phone when I called. Uh-huh. I liked that. Does this confuse men though? Because like, for example, like we were just saying, um, ro- we don't, like romance kind of scares us sometimes. But do you think then, do you not, does that mean we don't want men to open the door? Is that how you'd interpret it? I, I can't still, I still can't change who I am and how I was raised. I'll always open the door. Yeah. I'll always, you know, be yeah. polite. I'll always walk on the closest side of the road, yeah. etc. Cause, yeah. Cause that stuff that I like, it, it, that doesn't bridge romance for me. Yeah. That just bridges like respect, respect, politeness, mm-hmm. good character, mm-hmm. you know, etiquette. etiquette but I think yeah. here pe- women have to almost, and this sound, might sound equally as bullshitty. Women almost have to be tricked into romance here. You have like they, yeah. like they want it, <laughs> but you kind of have to trick them. Yeah, you have to s- sneak like, it in there. Sneak it in. Yeah, it's not something so tell, that you give can me be... an example of that. Like, what what do you mean by that? Like how you'd slip in a roofie, except it's like a good roofie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have, a little, have a little bow on it. Yeah, and, yeah. and a little "you're welcome" note. Right. Um, you can't just. It's it's something that you can't do right away. It's something like, car. I mean, car door. That's a no brainer. And all that other stuff, but you can't make it feel datey until they're comfortable. So you mean that, like afterwards, you couldn't send a note saying he you opened know, the trunk really for great me. Time, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't think you. Can, I mean, I can't tell you if I've ever gotten a response back from I had a great time text here. I mean, when I was in Michigan, constantly it's different. Yeah, you know, when I'm somewhere else, it's different. But here, there's so much thought going on right. on the woman's side that she has figured out everything how she thinks it's going to go based on your intuition which could be with all due respect completely correct and it could also be a hundred percent wrong right right but you think it's correct right so all we're doing is going up against it so with that in mind it's fucking chess yeah and you have to figure it out and you have to be patient and that's something that like 
the patience vanishes here for men, I believe, because women want consistency, like you said, but at the same time, they give zero breadcrumbs, zero clues. <laughs> you have to figure out how to get back to the gingerbread house <laughs> without any help from them, all while being lighthearted, being funny, <laughs> being charming, not being creepy, and still not wanting to smack somebody. Not that you would, but you know right, what I mean? Yeah. It's just like it, it, there's a level of frustration if you I take it personally. I want to send sympathy cards to every man that exists right now. Like I need all the address, addresses of every man that lives currently and just send them I'm sorry cards from all women. You should. I really want to. You should. I need to get <laughs> well, writing. It, it's but you know what? It would be misleading. The first thing the guy would think is, wait she a second. She wants me. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's totally into me. <laughs> well, okay. So I, I've told Kristen about this, but I did an interview yesterday with this um, evolutionary psychologist mm-hmm. named Jeffrey Miller. Okay. You know who he is, but. He, he was really fascinating. I, lo- I love hearing about the evolution and the biological reasons as to why people are attracted to each other and why they do anything right. in life. Um, his specialty is on sex, sensuality, attraction, why men and women do the things that they right, do. Right, right. And he was talking about, um, or actually I brought up the conversation of a woman sleeping with a man on the first date. Does that like bite her in the ass or is that something that is accepted? And he actually Does he bite me, her in the ass? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Depends on if he bites her in the ass. Um, but he was talking about how, how it, it matters geographically. A, a man will respond a certain way depending on where he lives. Like for example, in New York City, where... Oh God! Where there, there's more women than men. There's like a, a much larger mm-hmm. percentage of women than men. Um, if a woman will not sleep with them after four dates, like let's say, then they will see that as she's not interested, she's not serious about me, or she's not down to play whatever I'm gonna, uh, whatever I, I want to engage in. So they'll move on to the next because they have more options. I'm, I think he was saying Los Angeles was similar that there are more women here than there are men. But he was saying in other places in the United States where it's reversed and there's more men than women. Everything sort of shifts. People are, men are more patient. Mm. So it, it was really interesting to hear that there were differences based on where people are from. I agree. and But it's also here, it's super easy to get laid and really hard to date someone. Right. Because if you're in the moment with someone, then it's much easier to follow through on because there's no expectation. There's right. no talking. There's no words. For the most part, the majority of the population is either actor or performance. So they're, they're used to hearing no for a living. Yeah, <laughs> like they constantly are rejected. That's their job. Right. I have five auditions tomorrow. I'm not going to get a call back for four of them, and never hear anything again. Despite the fact that the casting director says you were great, are you available Saturday? Totally. Bye. Well, it sounds like things in Los Angeles are are very fleeting. That's why it's like that's what you that, listen. You train people, right? So if we are being trained to be rejected and to not hear from people and for people to not how about for like people us? who aren't though? Because Tons of our listeners are right, right, right. No, no, but I'm, I'm sure. saying in Los Angeles, that that's what people are trained for, and oh, the same thing goes for other places in the United States or around the world, hmm. where we're, we're trained in different ways. We actually have to take a break, but I wanted to play a little clip from the interview that I did with um, Dr. Miller because oh. I think it's really oh, interesting, good. and it'll be fascinating for you guys. But we'll be back after this. <laughs> Hey you, this is Marnie, and thanks for listening to the Ask Woman podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Take a quick moment to give us some feedback on our iTunes page. We'd really love to know what you think of us. And also, give us five stars, just because. 
Want advice and step-by-step instructions on how to get the girl sent right into your mailbox every single day? Then sign up for your free Wing Girl Method newsletter at winggirlmethod.com slash advice. When you sign up, you'll also get a free copy of my best-selling book, 10 Devastating Mistakes Men Make with Women and How to Avoid Them. Go to winggirlmethod.com slash advice and sign up now. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We now have a third guest. We told you it was going to be a huge orgy in here today, so it's fantastic. Oh yes. Um, but we have Megan Fleming on the phone with us. Uh, she has she's a PhD. She's a clinical psychologist, an AASECT certified diplomat, sex therapy therapist, certified Imago relationship therapist. A lot of you're very you you were in school for a long time. You have a lot of credentials behind your name. Boring. Yeah. But. <laughs> Over- perspective. <laughs> yeah, but you are an expert on sex, which I think is absolutely amazing. But um, before we, we uh, you know, talk to you a little bit more, um, I want to play this clip from an interview that I did yesterday or a couple of days ago with Dr. Jeffrey Miller, who is an evolutionary psychologist. And he is talking about um, what women are attracted to from a biological and evolutionary point of view. Um, the sexual instincts that we have about what we find attractive are actually pretty hard to shift. I mean, women's preference for a guy who's a little bit taller than them or for a guy who's got that V-shaped torso with a high shoulder-to-waist ratio like an Olympic swimmer, that seems to run pretty deep and to be pretty common across cultures, even when it's not really that relevant anymore. Um, And likewise, women's preference for a guy who's funny with a good sense of humor seems to be pretty strong um, all the way from hunter-gatherer societies, you know, through ancient Rome and the Middle Ages and and modern societies. So it looks like there's quite a bit of of continuity in what women find attractive and also what men find attractive. Okay. Well, actually, I have a question based on the information that you just gave. What what was the purpose behind women – being attracted or selecting a mate that had a sense of humor. Was there 11, an evolutionary purpose for that? I think that there was. Um, we've done several studies on sense of humor and what it reveals about somebody. It seems to reveal um, higher than average intelligence. You you have to be a li- at least a little bit smart to, to make a good joke, to have a good right. sense of wit and comic timing and all that. And we've done studies of stand-up comedians showing that um, – Number one, they're actually pretty smart. Number two, their personalities are actually a lot less neurotic and messed up than, than right. most people I assume. I don't buy that. So it seems to be a um, sense of humor is an index, wrong. partly of intelligence, partly of good mental health. Really? Because every mental disorder that we know about, autism, schizophrenia, depression, all all really nukes your sense of humor. Right. Um, makes it makes it really hard to be funny. And then also personality, um, not just having a sort of good personality, but what kind of personality you have is pretty clearly conveyed through what, what style of humor you tend to use. Okay. So in, in terms of... He doesn't sound like, like he knows much about humor in his voice. I'll tell it, you that. It helps us with our... It, no, it's, it's like how we select our mates. Does that mean that that is hardwired into us, that if we are dating somebody as women who... Are, we don't find funny or who are not quick-witted with a sense of humor that we will not want to 
mate with them? Like what, what does that actually mean? Is it like a split second judgment where you're attracted to somebody or, or how does it actually work? It, it seems to be pretty instinctive, but it's not totally hardwired. I mean, there are differences across individuals and in what particular traits they find attractive. There's differences across the lifespan. It depends a little bit on your circumstances. I mean, if you're desperate and starving to death and you absolutely need food, money, resources, then you're going to put a higher premium, of course, on, on wealth and um, earning potential. But generally, it seems like both men and women just aren't very happy in relationships if their mate doesn't have a good sense of humor or isn't good at resolving arguments or is really boring at telling stories. So it's it's pretty hard to overcome those, apparently. And, you know, people who uh, are marital therapists or couples therapists say these are very common complaints that women have. Guys are not funny. They're lazy. They're they're mentally – uh, mentally lazy, at least they're they're boring, um, uncommunicative. You know all that stuff. Even if they're good providers, even if they're good dads. Hmm. Okay. Well. Um. So, what do you think about? <laughs> well, that clip? Um, obviously, you disagree with the comedian statement. Yeah. We talked about it more later in the interview. Well, the thing is, I think what he's saying in that is the whole like comedians not being neurotic is like him disputing every great comedian that's ever lived essentially but i feel like he's saying more people who are able to laugh a lot have less mental problems i can see that like people who are just always happy and laughing i can see having less mental problems but the people who are actually having the observations i i absolutely would disagree with what he said Mm -hmm. well and i would add in there that i think that importantly I mean, there's a difference between somebody who has that sense of humor as a quality that attracts and uh, somebody who becomes a comedian because that's performance. That's somebody who's really trying to excel and that I think brings in a whole different dynamic. But importantly, and also someone who's trying to get attention from, you know, someone who's looking for validation for, you know, for being funny, which can mean a whole slew of type of whole slew of emotional issues happening but, I agree. but i think that oh yeah. sorry no, no, Megan, I was, um recognizing that it's how we roll in life with because stress is the number one killer of desire and you know confidence and how we roll with situations um that always arise i think understandably is an attractive quality yeah so megan on the first half of the show um we were talking about uh, romance in other countries, particularly France, because we have a wonderful French man here mm-hmm. with us. Um, and we were talking about how, you know, France, in France, you can actually be more romantic as a man. Um, to uh, attract and pursue a woman, you can be a little bit more assertive. Whereas in the United States, women have more barriers to entry. They have more guards built up. They have uh, longer lists of things that need to be done for them before they're willing to trust and give back to a relationship. What What are your thoughts on that? And do you agree with that statement? With those um, well, I, I definitely think that in different cultures, there are certainly different preferences in terms of what is a normative and be um, sort of arousing. And I think that 
you know, I certainly can't dispute, I don't live in France, so I yeah. certainly, um, that, you know, I love hearing from others, clients and cultures, you know, really what works for them and not just as an individual, but sort of as generalizations. And I certainly do think in our uh, women today, especially post-sex in the city, um, they really are more aware of what they want sexually. And I think because often they have their own careers, there's less of sort of quote unquote a need for a partner and so um understandably they might have larger checklists and expectations megan mm-hmm. um and i'm simon i'm the french dude here hi simon <laughs> hi obviously uh, i want to go to your expertise for this question um we have you know i do a radio show every night on our heart media and we we talked about faking or- the orgasm and my co-host kim iverson goes you know i've learned to fake it to the perfection I said to, why are you so proud of this? She said, oh, please, I'm glad. <laughs> she said, because, you know, if you don't fake, um, the man will continue too long, one and two, because if you don't fake, the guy feels that you, he's not done a good job and really everybody feels bad out of this. Mm-hmm. Where, where I come from, that kind of attitude is against everything French women believe in. So, Megan, how do you, how do you stand on this? Do you think to women you talk to and help... Should faking is a good thing or do you think it's something you are against it? It's a fabulous question. I'm so glad you asked it because it's like nail to the chalkboard for me. Anytime a woman fakes an orgasm, Mm -hmm. she is not giving and communicating to her partner what she needs ultimately to have an orgasm. So I think she's shooting herself in her own foot. And I certainly can appreciate the part of, yeah, men like to give their partners orgasm. It's a sense of, you know, it, it, they get a sense of that feedback loop, right? That I'm quote unquote doing a good job, but we really want to coach our partners so that authentically you're giving them that feedback loop. And as soon as, um, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. it's, it's how we communicate because you don't want to be like, you suck, right? I mean, it's really around, <laughs> I really like it when, oh my God, when you did this a minute ago, you know, it's encouraging a partner so that you're not inducing those bad feelings. Cause she's right. If you induce bad feelings, eh, you know, you're going to likely start to avoid sex or it certainly isn't going to feel as, you're not going to feel the same amount of desire. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's some advice that we can give to the, the guys that are listening in terms of a way to encourage women to not fake or not feel that they have to fake to make them happy like is there a conversation that can be had with a woman about her sexuality or something that can help her be a little bit more vocal about what she wants or even if she doesn't know what she wants is there a way to assist her in figuring that out Sure. I mean, I think one of the things you could, I mean, again, there's many different ways to do this, but one way might be depending on how much uh, open communication there is, you could say, you know, once I had a partner and I couldn't believe it, I didn't find out till six months or a year into our relationship or whatever amount of time that she was faking it. And I was like, wow, you know, I didn't know how to tell her like, wow, I wish I knew because the thing I most want to do in this world is give you pleasure. I am your student. So it's sort of an invitation by talking about someone else that you're inviting your partner to really give you feedback. Interesting. Interesting. And you had made a comment before where you said um, what women want sexually. So I, I'd like to understand that a bit more. From what you've seen, the people that you're coaching and working with, what do women want sexually? Well, I think the number one both men and women want sexually is to feel desired, right? Desire is, feeling, is the biggest turn on. I think for women, however, they don't want to feel desired all the time in such a way that it feels like I'm objectified, I'm an object insert, you know, they, they want to feel like it's about them. Um, and then I think from there, it's, you know, it's a really, 
everybody has their own sort of sexual map or template. So, you know, a lot of times people, as soon as they start having penetration and intercourse, they stop thinking about all the ways of using the whole body as a tapestry sort of to give and receive pleasure, mouth, hands, you know, really moving energy. Um, do, so you, do, you, think, do you believe that, uh, I, I believe that, do you believe women are afraid now of men in America? Do you believe, I've witnessed it, that there is a fear about the sexuality, about going, getting together, about going out together, a fear now. A fear that, can you tell me more? Fear of each other, for that, you know, there is all those rules to protect women, that, you know, sexuality is part of a trade instead of a gift, that things have changed and the expectation is different. And really, women do not trust men anymore. And I think men do not trust women anymore either. Huh. I mean, I actually, I practiced 15 years in New York City, so I can tell you in some ways I've seen it all. But that quality, I mean, certainly if somebody's been cheated on or burned, I mean, they're, or have, um, have a history of any kind of, you know, even if it's verbal abuse, right. there certainly are reasons that particular individuals are going to be more cautious, more fear, or feel like giving up on the opposite sex. But I would say in general, that is not a, a top of mind or a complaint that I hear. That's interesting because there was a survey on my show the other night. We asked ladies uh, if they had to qualify, you know, out of 100%, how many percent were guys were jerks. And the jerk factor was at 75. But the fact that they were in love with the 75% was a totally different survey because women like jerks yeah. and bad boys. Mm, Megan, I want to hear what your response is to that. Well, I think, again, there are stereotypes always for a reason, right? And so I think we all know that a lot of women do like the bad boy or the guy who doesn't commit, or it's sort of an idea that, you know, he sort of represents maybe that alpha or desirable, or it's what it helps them to feel like, wow, if he chooses me, how I feel about myself. But if ultimately somebody is treating you bad and you put up with it, it actually, to me, points out there's something going on with your own self-esteem that you in any way would find that um, desirable. For sure. Well, that's like that. That goes back to what I was saying earlier. As far as, as far as in Los Angeles, women are conditioned to rejection constantly through everything. So they have five or six different auditions. They're told no, they don't hear anything back. But yet they really wanted that part. They really wanted whatever. And since that's all they're connecting it to, it's so much easier to relate to a guy who is paying the exact same amount of attention to yeah. them and treating them the exact same way. That, in my opinion, is the attraction to it. Right. Right. But that could be wrong. No, yeah, I don't know. It's how you if, feel. Yeah, if the guy likes them and goes for them, it's like, wait, what's wrong here? This yeah. isn't this isn't what I'm used to. And they don't they trust it, it away. Yeah. Yeah, they trust factor. Yeah. They don't trust being selected because they're so used to being told you're not good enough. Like for me, like yeah. my fan, yeah. like my, I always kind of think like if I become successful or if anything really works out for me, I'm going to feel really guilty like I've like like left my family behind because we've always just known failure. I would feel really guilty. Su- what do you mean by that? If you succeed, you will feel you yeah, betrayed like, your family. Yeah, in, yeah, in like a, a funny, powerful dynamic, like a, actually. Yeah, in like a fu- kind of like in a funny way, but also in like a real way, because we've just always kind of known mediocrity, and it's like I would feel like yeah, not part of my family. If you look anymore. back, your father or mother would say, "Go ahead, girl, you can do anything you want in the world." Yeah, they of course. Yeah. So that's why would you betray them after they told you that? Just because it's kind of like my family lineage. We're just like kind of losers. Oh, There's loyalty, belonging to your family. I mean, it, it really is huge, and it's why a lot of people unconsciously sabotage themselves all the time. Right, right, because it's what we know. 
Absolutely. Right. Interesting. I, I want to go back to the sexuality because that is what Megan is an expert on. And I know a lot of guys want to hear um, things that she has to say about sex for women. <laughs> so <laughs> when I know we, we talked before when, when we were talking before, we were talking uh, a little bit more about people who are in relationships because you were talking about open communication about sex. Um, but can you speak to men who either are virgins or maybe not as experienced sexually in how maybe Jay Chris could speak to them. Yeah, I'll talk to him when I get home. Yeah. In in how um, in how to own that sexual confidence without actually being sexually experienced. Right. I mean, again, I think it's tricky because if you don't have a lot of experience, experience is what helps you to build that muscle memory for confidence, right? But I think one of the things they can absolutely do is what we call mental rehearsal visualization, you know, really stepping into um, seeing themselves going out on that date, you know, hopefully they've worked with you and or other coaches so that they know how to read signs, you know, in terms of she's leaning in and there's a communication that that's a green light, right? Um, but it, that they're can sort of mentally rehearse knowing, seeing those signs and getting positive feedback and really sort of, you know, I say roll the camera forward, put the whole date through their mind, even take it into the bedroom and just really see themselves relaxing, letting go and giving this woman pleasure. And I think the biggest thing that men can do is stop putting the focus on themselves and again, focus on her and her pleasure. Ian Kerner um, wrote a great book called She Comes First. And I think as long as you take the pressure off yourself, because somebody who doesn't have sexual confidence tends to do what I call spectatoring. They're observing themselves. They're in their head. They're not in their bodies. And right. like, that's very disconnecting and nothing sexy about that. They want to so, be in their penis head. Yeah. Not in their exactly. Head. And it can absolutely inhibit arousal. So helping them realize, you know what, it's it's sort of pacing in such a way that if you're feeling confident and you're feeling rock hard, you know, but fight Megan, on, go for it. Megan, sorry to interrupt. You know, most people, most younger people now learn sex through pornography. Right. Yes. The age. So, yes. so when it's you speak, not a great sex educator. So, so now let's go back to that level. Okay. So, all people come to you, and and they come if they've seen hardcore pornography since the age of twelve. Maybe they haven't had done it yet. What do you say to those young men that have learned and seen and thought it's a lot of fun to at least to watch this? Then, what are you going to tell them? Well, one of the biggest things I say is there's a big difference between fantasy and uh, reality. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that you watch on video that might be really hot. And, you know, like for women, they often watch, it's, um, the date is there, they watch uh, lesbian porn. That doesn't necessarily mean they want to be with a woman in real life. Or, again, a rape fantasy is a common fantasy amongst women because they're losing control. Um, and yet that's not something they want to experience in real life. So I first try to educate them that, A, just because you saw it doesn't mean you want to do it in real life. And second of all, you know, not every woman is going to want to do a threesome and anal, like, you know, on the first date. <laughs> Maybe the second. Yeah, Maybe the second. <laughs> but again, the expectation is, that, you know, that but women are up for everything. And, you know, it's like you got to really pace it and get a sense of who this woman you're with is and what she likes to do and gives her pleasure. Because because I think the young women watch porn and the young men, the teenagers watch porn. They watch the same position you just mentioned. And things are changing drastically in the sexuality here, for sure. Whether we like it or not, that's the way it's going. I have more people calling me about threesome every single night. I've never had a one. And all the people, at least every single night, people from the age of, let's say, 18 to be correct, to everybody's experimenting right. menage à trois. 
So we have to adapt. Things are changing in the bedroom and will not go back to what it was. I don't know if Chris' experience is, but... I watch a lot of porn, but it's not for the sex. It's just to see which members of my acting class have given up. (laughs) That's funny. Thank you. You'll see me me in there soon. (laughs) I think a key piece to add, though, there is it's sort of a cultural, you know, more and more women are feeling pressured, right? That you know, they want a partner. They, I, I hear a lot of women are like, yeah, I, I do the threesome or I do anal because I don't want to lose him. And it's not necessarily because she enjoys it. And so I really hope that, you know, in time there's sort of a correction of that pendulum swing such that it's really what both people find enjoyable and not what they think they're supposed to do. You're 100% right, but it's supply and demand, which means if other girlfriends do that, the one who don't lose the man. It's always the same. That's why things have changed so much. The competition in the dating world in high school and the universities is the hottest girl and you know, and, and will do things will get the best guy. And the one is approved usually sadly will not get whoever she thinks is hot. And and it's sad, but I think that the pornography has changed forever the way we look at sex and what we want and dare. That's where I say, where is the romance anymore if it's not in the dating process? Because it's not going to be in the bedroom. Right. And most yeah. people actually don't know how to be romantic. It's just too anymore. compartmentalized. There's too many different things for too many different things. I do have one more question for Megan. So you had talked about pleasuring a woman. What does that mean? Like for a woman, how does she walk away feeling pleasured? I'm all ears. Is, Let's is hear it the this. same yeah. as a man? Well, I think, again, we know that women typically, but not always, take longer to get aroused. You know, if you're just newly dating, you've got dopamine on board and, you know, you're already coming to the party ready to go. But especially if you've been dating a while, um, it's really, first of all, hopefully you're watching her cues. But I think it's kissing, caressing, you know, slowly, you know, taking her clothes off. It is adding that sort of romantic seduction, like that. the role of seduction and teasing, I think, is an for many women, a part of the turn on. And then really taking it slow. I hear so many women complain that men, quote unquote, go for the gold. Like, yeah. you know, as soon as they're naked, they're going right for the vagina. And, you know, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what about my breasts? You know, yeah. like, they're, so I think it's really important that men think about slowing yeah. down and really getting the, the woman to be like a really warm engine before they ever think about penetration. I love that. Okay. We well have, said. We have one question for overanalyze this as we are actually running out of time for this show. Um, but, I am going to read it. Uh, Hey, guys, what does this mean? She wears a top that sags out when she bends over and then bends over in front of me with a solid direct eye contact to see if I look. She does this all the time. Sometimes, yes, I look. Other times, I hold our eye contact. Is this correct, Bill? (laughs) What do you think? So what does it mean if a woman wears a top that does sag out so that her breasts are showing and she bends over? In front of you. What does it mean? And she's making repeated eye contact with this guy in addition to the sagging breasts? Yes. <laughs> she's hurling her vagina at him. Yeah. It's pretty. That one seems pretty obvious. Okay. She makes solid direct eye contact to see if I look. Okay. That sounds like a bad scene from a porn. Yeah. Right. Like a, the beginning of a really cheesy bad written porn. <laughs> hey, big guy. Right. I mean, yeah, right? Yeah. I what think so. Think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you say hello in that case. You say bonjour. <laughs> so, but who does that? Rarely that that happened. Maybe at the gym or something. I guess so. Yeah. I, I, know I call this... it a green light. You know, yeah. if you're trying to read body cues, the fact that, you know, it, there's a pattern to it. And again, the eye contact and her not looking. That to me, you know, give it, go to the next step and then see what happens. Unless yeah. she's making like a freaked out eye contact look. Because I've had that before where there are some times where I know I'm wearing something slightly revealing, but I'm okay with it. But I don't want somebody else to 
be objectifying me. Like exactly what we well, talked about Well, if he wants to make it weird, he could just hand her a bra next time. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, maybe you want to try wearing this yeah. next time you bend over. Try this tube So top. it depends on, <laughs> I, I would say it depends on what the eye contact looks like. But from what he's saying, it sounds like it's I think it's he likes the woman. That's why he wrote to you because he likes yeah. the woman. He want to know if you should He likes her, so stop making eye contact and, and go talk hi. to her instead. Maybe say hello. Like, help her lift her breasts up. That might be more. Help a lady out. Okay. You guys have been wonderful guests for this show. I really appreciate all of you being here. Thanks for having uh, us. Yeah, Thank and you. I wanted to Thank go through you. each of you. I want you to to tell us where to find you. So let's start with Megan, our guest on the phone. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Megan Fleming PhD or my website, greatlifegreatsex.com. Perfect. And Simon. So you can you can listen to my show on iHeartMedia. And there's all the stations, and it's called The Rendezvous with Simon and Kim. Every night, Monday to Friday, 10 to midnight. Awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Chris Army, and I have a fa- um, not a Facebook uh, podcast on iTunes called Like Super Famous. You should listen to it. You can be I our you were third. Say, I have a face. The face. <laughs> you can be our third and fourth listeners. <laughs> That's awesome. And you yeah. can find me at uh, Bad Life, Bad Sex. <laughs> that's that's me. Awesome. And if you want to send in questions for overanalyze this, please write into ask at askwomenpodcast.com. New episodes of the Ask Women Podcast come out every Thursday, but don't wait for the for uh, the podcast to come to you. Just go subscribe. there and subscribe so that <laughs> You don't have to go and do all the extra work to go download an episode. It just literally goes into your phone and you can listen to it whenever you want. But you guys are fantastic. Thank you for supporting our show. We couldn't do this without you. We will see you guys next week. So Kristen and I um, wanted to do something special for you guys. We've been getting a lot of requests. Well, it's more special for ourselves. Right, exactly. But you guys were also in mind. Yeah. Well, always. You're always on our minds. And so... Well, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some some guys, maybe two people, <laughs> wrote in and said, what goes on behind the scenes of the Ask Women podcast? What do you guys do before the show? What do you do after the show? What do you do during the show? They wanted to see what actually sleeping. happens. Well, on your half, yes. Mm-hmm. It depends on who's on the show, but half the time, that is very true. And so we decided, let's get a camera crew in here and show people what actually goes on behind the scenes at the Ask Women podcast. So we have done it. We've edited it. It's kind of awesome, and we also gave you a video um, of a full podcast, so you can actually see us instead of just hearing us. And the, the truth is, is that yes, this is a, this is a great behind the scenes. It's wonderful because it has jam packed with information for you, but it's also a great way to support the show uh, and keep us on the air because it's a motive for Kristen to make some a- extra yeah, cash. Yeah, because I'm thinking about driving yeah. for Uber. So <laughs> exactly. So she's getting needs, dire. Kristen needs some money and we need some support for the show. So I would love for you to go get a copy of the Ask Women Behind the Scenes video which gives you like 20 minutes I think of, of us behind the scenes before the show yeah it's show, basically and- like us kind of arriving like what the studio looks like here at yeah. Sideshow Network yeah so it's basically us getting here uh, setting up uh talking about what yeah. you know how we um uh what we discussed before the show and like grabbing coffees etc yeah super it's exciting so, stuff. it's like it's like I have no it's, idea. it's basically really boring but if you're wondering like what we look like yes. sitting at microphones and talking yes and then we have the that. wonderful sex with Emily uh she was on the episode that we decided to do 
this for so she's super cute and she talks all about sex and pleasuring a woman and uh it, it, it's awesome you can see hand gestures which might be helpful I thought you for you guys see hand jobs as well yes hand gestures of things to do that would be really yeah. helpful anyway if you want to support the show if you want to check out this behind the scenes footage of the ask women podcast go to winggirlmethod.com and slash behind the scenes winggirlmethod.com slash behind the scenes and get your copy of the behind the scenes video plus i'm gonna throw in a free copy of my best-selling book get oh cool inside her Ooh, i know maybe cool. a couple of other books. how much too. is this gonna be this is going to be $149. Well, we are going to be very awesome and wonderful, and we're going to sell this for $7.99. So please support the show. Please get the behind the scenes. You get a free copy of my book, Get Inside Her. Go to winggirlmethod.com slash behind the scenes. Please, guys, I'm desperate. <laughs> Thanks, guys.